Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Graham Ledger, and this is a special edition of the Ledger Report. said from the start that our code response should be guided by the science and data and by experts. Uh, and just as a reminder, when we had made this announcement, the CDC said it needed 15 days to assess the impacts of an uptick in cases on hospitalizations, deaths, and hospital capacity. We feel, still feel, that is entirely reasonable based on the latest science. Uh, and public health uh, decisions shouldn't be made by the courts. Uh, they should be made by public health experts. Uh, so again, I can't, I'm not going to get ahead of the Department of Justice. We'll let them uh, make any decisions or announcements, but so they might still appeal, is what you're saying. Yeah, it typically takes a couple of days to review and make a, an assessment. If you don't, if you don't, sorry, if you don't appeal, do you run the risk of sending the message that all CDC mandates are optional? I don't. One, I'm not going to prejudge the Department of Justice and how they make considerations or assessments about whether or not they're going to appeal. We obviously feel confident in our authorities here, given we put the mask mandate in place and asked for 15 additional days to evaluate data based on public health information. Uh, was the administration unprepared for this ruling, uh, given that you're not sure what you're going to do next? And also, does the confusion around the mask mandate undercut the administration's ability to kind of give people guidance on what is actually the right thing to do at this point? I would, I would dispute the notion that people are confused. Um, we are here to alleviate their confusion, right? So the CDC continues to uh, advise and recommend masks on airplanes. We're abiding by the CDC recommendations. The president is, and we would advise all Americans to do that. This was a ruling by the court. We obviously didn't have advance notice of it, uh, and it typically takes uh, a couple of days to assess next steps in these cases. Stop the tape. I actually agree with Pajam Pasaki toward the end there uh, that there is no confusion. There is no confusion. On this matter, if you've done any homework at all, if you have studied COVID like I have, there's absolutely no doubt in your mind, but if you've paid attention to the news cycle, even the mainstream media have swerved into the truth once in a while. You know, they actually report the COVID number. I was, I was checking the global COVID numbers and it's like a ski slope down. But remember, when we talk about numbers, the numbers are rigged. How are they rigged, Graham? Well, we know how they're rigged. How is that? The CDC. The CDC what? The CDC issued an order almost a year ago, probably nine months ago, somewhere around there, about a year ago, uh, requesting that the companies that make the PRC tests for COVID uh, can make them that can now differentiate between COVID and the good old-fashioned flu. And so when I saw this edict out from the CDC asking these companies to figure out a way 
for their testing to differentiate between the flu, the common flu, influenza, and COVID, it set off alarm bells to me. Apparently it didn't set off alarm bells to the folks in the mainstream media who are more intent on running around saying the sky is falling, you're gonna die, wear a mask. Get the, get the shot. And some media, of course, are, are taking money from the federal government to run commercials telling people to get the shot. So they are certainly influenced by that. But the CDC, in this request, in Grammy's mind, said, oh, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this entire time under COVID, the government response to COVID, the government response to a so-called pandemic, which is not, this entire time, this test could not differentiate between the flu and COVID? <laughs> I was wondering, you know, when I was doing my research when this crap and that's what it is, it's crap. It is absolutely not science, Pajam, Pisaki. It's 100% politics. But when I was doing my homework early on into this, it must have been probably, I'm guessing May, June of 2020, as I was diving into the CDC numbers and I noticed that there were no influenza, virtually no influenza cases in 2020. How is that possible? How is that possible? That's like having no colds, no common colds. All of a sudden, the flu cases in 2020 went like a ski slope too. How is that possible? Answer, it's not possible. But now I know the answer. Fast forward to the CDC saying, hmm, PCR test manufacturers, could you please differentiate now between the flu and COVID? Aha, that's why flu cases uh, went to zero. The mask mandate and what this judge did in Florida is a positive and constitutional thing but it is completely unnecessary. This notion though, that Pajam Pasaki said, that public health decisions need to be made by public health officials, what she's saying is Big Brother needs to make these decisions. What this judge did was looked at, I think, the United States Constitution and the fundamental rights that are protected under the Constitution and the CDC, which is born of Congress. Yes, Congress authorized the CDC to function. And Congress, in my own mind, needs to revoke the authorization for the CDC to function. It needs to wipe it out. The CDC needs to be wiped off the map. Start over, redefine what the CDC is supposed to do. Not recommend dozens and dozens of shots. See, this is the same CDC that can recommend somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 shots for young people before they hit 18. This is cuckoo. When in the 80s there was maybe three or four and somehow people survived prior to the 60s. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The CDC is, as President Trump said, Pfizer, and Pfizer is the CDC. It's completely corrupt. And the NIH, the same thing. All that needs to be, they need to tie a stick of political dynamite to it, light the fuse, and run in the opposite direction. That's, they means Congress. Because yes, CDC is authorized by Congress. But of course, it's effectively de facto under the control of the executive branch. And so this is why and I say ostensibly because the CDC was in the business of ruining Donald Trump 
with Joe Biden occupying the Oval Office, the CDC is in the business of doing whatever Pajam Pisaki and Joe Biden say. So it's a, it's a completely 100% political animal now. And it needs to be wiped off the map. Um, it needs to be zeroed out. There needs to be something else in its place. What is the function of the CDC? What is the initial function of the CDC? Well, things like keeping your, your drinking water clean so you don't die of some sort of contamination, right? That's the basic function of government, would be to protect the people, not to order them to wear a useless, underlying useless face covering on an aeroplane. That's the other thing I discovered on the CDC website. When they were first meting out these mask mandates, I said, what is the, what is the science, Jan Pisaki, behind the masks? So I dug around and I, and I finally found a research paper that was done, authorized by the CDC, published on the CDC website, is still there, in 2018, the upshot of which was that masks do nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. Can I repeat that? For all you people on airliners still wearing masks, masks do nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. All you people running around the grocery stores still. Now, where I live, there's very few, and they look like freaks because they are freaks. But there are some pockets of resistance out there, and they're running around with a mask on. I saw a guy coming into the gym today. I was leaving. He was coming in. He had a mask on. It was like this. Do you know... Prior to the government response to COVID, it was a federal offense to walk into a bank with a mask, a face covering on. Gee, I wonder why. Could it be the same reason why we're seeing these out-of-control videos from California of these smash and grabs and people being assaulted and people being assaulted in New York City and they have a mask on? Because people are running around with a mask on and it gives criminals relative impunity. How do you identify a person with a mask on? It's very difficult very difficult. And they know this. And so does the federal government. Yet the farce continues. And Pajam Pisaki saying they're going to evaluate. Well, the research I've done on appealing a, a federal ruling like this is 60 days. So the federal government, aka Joe Biden and company, they have 60 days to figure out whether they want to appeal this ruling. And of course, the CD said, CDC said it wanted two more weeks. Why does it need two more weeks? <laughs> Why does it need two more weeks? To do what? To figure out if the new variant is going to be bad so they can shut down the United States again just in time for the November election? They're going to drag this thing out as long as possible, folks. And it's, it's amazing to me. I see some reactions in New York and in California, in, again, local pockets, where, in fact, I just saw on, online, it was a train station. On, on the left side was like an Amtrak train where the mask mandate has been dropped. And the right side was a San Diego metro train, and it said mask mandate still in place. There's your science, Pajan Pisaki. There's your science. You can only get COVID on the local transportation train, not the federal train. Makes total sense to me. But it, it, one last thing on this. This was the gaggle uh, for Pajam Pazaki on Air Force One. That's why we only heard audio and that nice little picture of her red hair, soon to be seen on, on uh, MSNBC. Um, the, uh, the reporters are, I've never seen it like this. 
They're breathless. You can hear in their voice, Jan, you can't let this judge get away with this. You've got to appeal this decision. You've got to appeal. Is this not going to take the teeth out of the CDC? Is this not going to take the teeth out of the White House? They're begging the White House to appeal. They'll appeal. They have to appeal. Just like Pritzker had to appeal, even though they relaxed the mandates in Illinois, he had to appeal that ruling because Marxists cannot lose. Marxists have to have power. They have to be able to retain the power. So they're going to appeal it, and it's going to go to the circuit court, but the circuit court they appeal it to is a conservative circuit court, and they'll probably lose there. But then at the Supreme Court, who knows? With these lunatics that have been appointed recently in particular uh, to the Supreme Court, God, I wish these three that were nominated and appointed to the Supreme Court by Trump were true blue Clarence Thomases. Can you imagine what the court would be like right now? It'd be awesome. Even with John Roberts flailing around like, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But I want to tell you how to address this with your neighbor. And it comes under the heading of Love Thy Neighbor. Remember, this program is now dedicated in a post-constitutional America to God, guns, and gold. And I want to touch on a little bit of all of that when I speak with you. But I want to go to this border issue that has always been high on my priority list for decades, having lived in a border town for many, many years. What Governor Abbott is doing in uh, Texas, loading these illegals, there's like, what, 50 seats on a bus, and busing them to Washington, D.C., is political theater, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. I'm sure you enjoy it. I get a kick out of it, but what you're doing is you're aiding and abetting the illegals by doing this. You're not solving the problem. You're saying, okay, I'm going to stick a needle in your eye. You take the illegals. That's what they want. Don't you understand, Governor Abbott? These areas like Washington, D.C., they want the illegals. And then from Washington, D.C., the illegals will end up back in your own backyard. This is exactly what you should not be doing. If you want to put those illegals on buses, stick them down to Mexico. Stick them down 100, 200, 500 miles down into Mexico, Governor. That's what you should be doing. Not shipping them, not giving them travel, interstate travel on our roads deep into the interior of this country. Shame on you. It is exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. Now, that said, I have to applaud the same governor I am chiding right now, who is part of a team of 26 governors, obviously red state governors, led by this douchey, <laughs> I know I mispronounced his name, okay, douchey in, um, in Arizona, who is a rhino who once in a while swerves into constitutional America, okay? But there's 26 governors that have come up with a strike force that's going to try and enforce what should be border laws in this country. Well, there are border laws in this country. They're just not being enforced. Just like when Obama was in office, pulling the border agents off the border so the illegals could swarm across our borders. What's happening right now. You have to remember, and I try and remember, uh, remind folks this, that for every minute we speak, we're sitting here speaking, every hour, every minute, there are illegals violating our sovereignty just coming across saying, screw you, America, 
I'm coming here and the Biden administration, the occupant of the White House is doing nothing about it. In fact, he's encouraging it. This Title 42 thing is a Band-Aid. That's not the solution. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good Band-Aid. I like it. Anything that mitigates the flow of illegals into this country, the attack on our sovereignty, I applaud, I applaud it. But what these governors are doing is about time because these are sovereign states and their sovereignty because they're border states. Well, let's face it, all 50 states are border states now. But in particular, the ones on our southern flank, their sovereignty as, as individual states is being violated and the federal government is at fault. So enough is enough. These governors, I hope they put teeth into this plan, this strike force, and say, hey, instead of busing these people to, now he's talking about busing them to Delaware. Again, they're going to welcome with open arms. And they're going to infiltrate into schools, and they're going to rape a 16-year-old, and they're going to commit murder uh, in Toledo, Ohio. How is that a good idea, Governor Okay, so hopefully the strike force will do what I think it's going to do, what I hope and pray it's going to do, and that is do the job of the federal government, and that is deport people. But what is the long-term solution here? It's a solution I have been talking about for many, many years now, more than a decade, and I have supported it, and I will support it in the future. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but it's triggered by an Article 5 Convention of the States, a Convention of the States. It's not a constitutional convention, it's a Convention of the States. I've talked about it for many, many years. And right now there are 19 states that have agreed to convene and add amendments to the Constitution. Now, I, I have a bone to pick with the organization behind it, COS, Convention of the States, conventionofthestates.com. I support them, okay? We don't agree on the parameters of the convention. I think everything should be on the table. They want to limit it. They think that there has to be some statutory limit to this gathering uh, where it is just focusing on monetary matters, for example. Nonsense. <laughs> what about electoral matters? What about saying, hey, we have a singular election day and that we need to have national voter ID? Think about a constitutional amendment. The framers never would have thought of it because they probably didn't have an ID back then. But they didn't have the corruption to the level that we have, the systemic corruption that we have. So they never would have thought of voter ID, national voter ID. But what if we had a constitutional amendment that said you must have voter ID? And if you want to have your ballot by mail, then you must have it notarized. That would be in my constitutional amendment. That would end a lot of this, wouldn't it? Would end a lot. So how do you fix the border? Same thing. A constitutional amendment, you can word it however you want. But to make it very clear that anyone entering this country illegally, whether it is from an aeroplane or by water or by land, South, North, however, is a criminal who, forget about trying the criminal, who will be held without constitutional rights because they are not American citizens, who will be held as long as they need to be held in order to be deported. No due process, no trial. 
they entered the country illegally. Now, if you have to sweep up somebody who is a, actually a United States citizen and they can prove it, sure, let them out. If they need a trial, let them have a trial. Prove it. Go ahead, prove. You know, there's probably be some exceptions to this, but in general, the run-of-the-mill illegal alien <laughs> needs to be deported. Period. End of story. How about a constitutional amendment? Okay. Convention of the States is promoting an Article 5 Convention of the States, and 19 states are signed on. How many do you need, Graham, to trigger? You need 34. Why 34? Two-thirds the states. As prescribed in Article 5 of the United States Constitution. Okay? And so how do we get this uh, amendment to the Constitution for voter ID? Then you would need three-quarters of these states. You don't have to have all the states at the convention. But once you hit the requisite 34, say so you have 34 or 35, then you need three-quarters uh, of the states after that uh, to agree to this constitutional amendment. Nineteen states have said yes to this already. Six states, six other states, have passed this Convention of the States in one chamber, so they're looking to do another chamber, and 14 are active. So 14 other states are active right now in pursuing this. So that is, I went to a state university, so it takes me a little bit of time to do the math, but 6 plus 14 is 20, plus 19 is 39. Again, state university, but I think I can figure out that we're, if, if all of those states happen to hit, then we're at a requisite number. Not only, by the way, to trigger an Article 5, but to pass the darn things. So think about that. Think about that. We're there. We're almost there. And so my admonition to you is to support these states. You can go to conventionofthestates.com and you can see which states, Alaska, Florida, they're already signed on. You want to support those states? Fine. Do you want to target the six states to get it in the other chamber, passed in the other chamber? Fine. You want to do that? Wonderful. You want to target these 14 states where there's active legislation to get it across the goal line? You'd be surprised some of the states that, it, that is, is active uh, right now. They're not all necessarily red states. The bottom line is, if you want to get involved and you want to be a solution, a constitutional solution to the problem, I've always said Donald Trump is wonderful, but one man cannot fix the institutionalized problems uh, in this country as proven by what happened in 2020. Donald Trump rides into town, 2016, says he's going to drain the swamp, ends up the swamp drains him. He's pushed out of Washington, D.C. I'm not saying he's not president and he didn't win. Don't get me wrong on that. What I'm saying is he was pushed out of Washington, D.C., and there's an occupant of the uh, Oval Office. Um, I want to circle back, as Jan Psaki would say, to something uh, I mentioned in the last program, and it's important because it... You know, it's not me just saying, spiking the football, that I'm right. But there's an article out of uh, Eat This, Not That. Okay, whatever, right? But it talks about Costco, Walmart, and Kroger are putting purchase limits on certain items. Now, it doesn't matter that it's baby formula is one of them. Costco is limiting the amount of gas you can get. This is what I'm warning you about. I'm suggesting that you should be ready for this. There's an article out of Zero Hedge just came out today. And Zero Hedge is a great source, by the way, for news. Um, you will not get anywhere else. That rice production, rice, is down 10%. One of the reasons is the fertilizer problem that's permeating around the globe. 
And so rice is a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. 10% less rice. Do you know how many cultures depend on rice? Do you know how many people depend on rice just to survive? Production down 10%. That is a huge figure. And I'm suggesting to you once again that you consider being ready. And I'm ready. This household is ready. And I, I suggest you do too. And there is also, by the way, an ammo shortage. Don't forget that. Before I circle back, Jan Pisaki, to um, this conversation you need to have with your neighbors about the mask so-called mandate, um, I, something occurred to me. And I, I don't know, I don't want to get too deep into this, put it that way. But the 22nd Amendment is the amendment that was born of FDR because he had you know, 18 terms as president, right? Or whatever the number was. I think it was five. Um, and, and, and that would be about five too many. Or was it four? I don't know. Uh, it, it was uh, really not the way the framers, the framers didn't want a king, right? And so the 22nd Amendment is born. Um, two terms and you're out of there. California has a similar worded portion in their constitution. It's Article 5, Section 2, uh, where you're only allowed to serve two terms of governor. Well, then how did Jerry Brown serve four? Hmm. The liberals uh, came up with, they twisted themselves into a pretzel in order to allow Jerry Brown to run and then eventually win and spend twice as much time in the governor's mansion in California than he should have. It's out-and-out out fraud what they did. And they allowed Moonbeam's third and fourth terms of governor should be wiped off the books. They effectively said that portion of the Constitution of California was amended, I think, in the 90s. And they said, well, because he served as governor in the 70s and 80s, it doesn't apply to him so he can run again. <laughs> what kind of... Logic is that, right? What is the intent of the law? What is the intent of that article of the California Constitution? To prevent exactly what Jerry Brown did. I'm warning you. I'm warning you now. Barack Obama, he's out there in the shadows, man. And we have the 22nd Amendment. But we also have liberals, liberal lawyers and liberal judges who will interpret words in black and white that you and I read one way They'll interpret another, and again, it's up to the American people. Jerry Brown should have never been elected in third and fourth terms as governor, but the people of California allowed it to happen. It's the people. And if enough ding-dongs in this country say, oh, well, we have the 22nd Amendment, but we're in an emergency situation. We have to have Barack Obama back. It could happen. Mark my words, it could happen. Which leads me to the mask mandate. I told my daughter just a couple of days ago, there is no mask mandate. There's no law. There is no law out there that says you have to wear a face covering on an aeroplane. Right? There's no constitutional amendment that says you got to have a face covering. In fact, anybody with a brain would say there needs to be a constitutional amendment saying you should not be required ever to wear a face covering for a multitude of reasons. The biggest objection I have to the face coverings is it impedes my First Amendment right to speak. Absolutely impedes my right to free speech. 
But there is no mask mandate, and I'm not splitting hairs here. My point was, before this judge ruled, I was making this point to my daughter, that if everybody on Southwest Airlines and everybody in the terminal at LAX and everybody on United Airlines and everybody at Delta, the passengers, forget the crew, the passengers, everybody in every one of these terminals said, screw you, we're not wearing a mask. There's no mask mandate. There was only capitulation. That's what the mask mandate is, is finding out who's going to capitulate. And unfortunately, I hate to use this term, but everybody did. So this is how you love thy neighbor. You love thy neighbor by going to your neighbor, liberal or, or not. And you say, and you have this conversation. Okay? There was no, there is no mask mandate. There never was a mask mandate. All there was was you capitulating to a government bureaucrat or a politician. And is that the way you should behave as a Judeo-Christian member of society in this country? Is that the way you should behave as an American? Is that the way you should behave as a Christian? The answer is no. And remember, evil can only prevail when good is silent. I'm Graham Legend.